All right, it is Tuesday night, September 6th, and this is the Drink 5 Fantasy Football Podcast. Tonight, we are going to preview week one of the NFL. Yeah, yeah, oh yeah, what condition my condition was in. I like that delay there. You got me curious as to what was going to happen. I was curious, too. <laughs> Shining in Found my mind in a brown paper bag, but then. All right, guys, this is the Drink Five Fantasy Football Podcast. We are here on Tuesday night to tell you about what's going to happen this weekend, right? Or just try to prognosticate as best we can. Sure. Well, what'd you do? What'd you do in the week leading up to uh, Football Week? I pretty much spent most of the weekend drafting. So, how many drafts did most you have? Most of the weekend. I had three drafts just this past weekend. Uh, they were all in-person drafts, so uh, it was a busy weekend for me, in addition to the in-person wedding that I attended. Well, I'm glad you didn't attend the wedding via Skype. Right. That uh, Maybe I could do like Edward Snowden style, where like, I just have like the iPad on a Segway just rolling through the party. <laughs> sounds sounds like a great impression you would make on, on that wedding party. <laughs> Hello. I've left your gift in the envelope. <laughs> I'm just going to take these 16 plates of food with me. <laughs> what does a robot need food for? <laughs> I won't know until it's too late. That's right. All right, so the I am Jason, of course. I guess we didn't do the proper introduction. And across from me is Dave. We are here doing the Fantasy Football Podcast tonight. Um, currently, you know, we're going to talk about week one, but we are talking about what we're drinking as well, like we always do. Uh, I am drinking an Easy Jack IPA from uh, Firestone Walker, uh, and I'm happy that I remember that because I don't have the can handy. Um, Dave, what do you have there? Uh, Emmett's Pub, located in Palatine, Illinois, it makes an IPA called World's End, which is kind of neat. And uh, just if, in case anyone's local, they just started bottling a couple of new uh, beers and um, selling them over at, at local binnies and other fine um, you know, liquor and beer establishments. So uh, you, can, you can find some of their new bottled beers on the shelves. All right, and we've got a couple of bombers here that were given to us for hosting a draft, which was excellent. Uh, we've got a Dragon's Milk Classic Bourbon Aged from New Holland, and later on we'll open up the Stone uh, Citricado 20th Anniversary IPA. Oh, man. That's right. You got that, Rick. Sounds good. Or I guess that was Morty, wasn't it? Yeah. It, <laughs> this is one of my favorite new shows, and I'm not going to go off on a tangent, but uh, they're they're going to season three... Um, early 2017, and it's going to be epic. All right, well, I can't wait for that. So uh, tonight uh, we are going to talk about um, week one, but I wanted to talk about, so we can get all the games out there really quick and just get our initial thoughts on each game, um, I want to talk about the confidence pool first. We have a confidence pool expert that we have post a column every week. His name is Ted Bukowski. Ted has been gracious enough to... Uh, Hook us up with the column a little bit early. Give us a little preview so that we can talk about it on the show tonight. Um, so we'll talk about who Tad picked and whether or not you agree with his pick. Okay? If you think that uh, you want to pick the other team or you think that the team has far too much weight on it. But we don't need to go ahead and uh, place our confidence picks just yet. We'll be doing that later in the week on our own confidence pool. So um, a confidence pool, if you're unfamiliar with that, is going to be um, all of the games in one week. You pick the winners, and then you rate them 1 through 16, or however many games there may be. Man, who, who plays fantasy football and doesn't know what a confidence pool is? Okay. This is, 
This so is like, we're done this with is the like intro. Three, three stones into the river. <laughs> I've never heard that. What is that? The phrase? Yeah. Oh, I just came up with it. Okay. Can I have it? It's all yours. All right. <laughs> You've coined the phrase. I like it. You've coined a phrase. Thank you. <laughs> Nobody knows what that's from. That's go back and listen to like our, our like fourth podcast ever. The other side of the corn. <laughs> yeah, it's amazing. All right, so his number 16 team, meaning the one that he has the most confidence in, is Seattle winning over Miami. Um, so he uh, thinks that, you know, uh, because Arian Foster isn't going to be really effective against an awesome Seattle defense, that, uh, um, you know, it, it's going to limit Miami's chances to winning in Seattle. I do believe that game uh, is in Seattle as well. So that's going to be tough for Miami to win. Um Dave, do you think that uh, Arian Foster is not a good start this week because of the game in Seattle? Uh, it's almost impossible to determine uh, how defenses are going to carry over to the next year. Um, although defenses like Denver and Seattle and Arizona that you would still expect to be really good, of course, you know, formidable against a guy, especially a guy just coming off of um, some serious injuries, right? What I've heard about Arian Foster was that it kind of looked like he slowed down a little bit the previous year before he got injured again. So this can't be helpful. Um, right. But uh, I I think personally that uh, that he should be just fine. He's got something to prove on a new team. He's not super old yet, so uh, I'm still going to play him. If you drafted Arian Foster, um, you got him in one of two scenarios. One, he's like your third or fourth running back, and you already drafted a couple guys that you're going to play over him anyway. Mm-hmm. And second... You did like kind of a zero running back or a middle round running back strategy where he might be your one or two. In that case, I don't see a scenario where you don't play him, even though he's going up against Seattle, because the guy's going to get a ton of passes in the backfield. So I guess your point here is that there really is no decision to be made on him. You either have to play him or he's clearly going to be sitting on most teams. Well, sure, unless your matchups are, you know, your matchup dependent, and you also have two other guys that are going up against, you know, yeah, Arizona. But, and, and, and honestly, if you have other bad matchups, I would probably just go ahead and leave off of Arian Foster and go with one of the other ones, maybe. I, I, I too, think Seattle should be high points in a confidence pool this, year, this week. So Houston, 15 over Chicago. Um, <clears throat> I can't argue with that. J.J. Watt sounds like he's going to be playing. This game's going to be in Houston. Um, so, you know, the pick of them as the winner is pretty easy. Any, any disagreement there? No. Houston's going to stop all over them? Yeah, the, the early ones are easy. Kansas City over San Diego. Um, you know, San Diego has clearly had a lot of trouble this year. I see KC winning easily at home. It'll be one of those games where Alex Smith has 200 yards and two touchdowns and uh, Phillip Rivers throws for 350 yards because they're going to be behind all game. Do you think that uh, Andy Dalton is going to have a lot of games where he scores two touchdowns? Andy Smith, and Alex Smith. Or I'm sorry, Alex Smith. <clears throat> where he scores two touchdowns? I mean, that's not that doesn't happen very much for him, right? No, it doesn't. I don't think he's going to have that many. He's playing a bad team. I think he can get two touchdowns. Give him two. Come on. He probably gets like what twenty five in a year, less than that, I bet. Uh, yeah, twenty eighteen, twenty three, thirteen, seventeen. Oh man. So, I, I mean, I don't normally expect him to get too many. In fact, last year, it was, it was a fun game. I remember we were watching it, and he ended up getting, like, three or four touchdowns in one game. Um, I think it was three. And that was just, like, super amazing for Alex Smith. <laughs> it was like, he scored again. How did this even happen? Because usually if he scores one touchdown, you're like, oh, thank God. Look, I think he can get two in the air in this game. Yeah, well, he's, 
he's pretty much not going to be played in any leagues except for two quarterback leagues anyway. So, um, no biggie. Uh, but the point is, Kansas City is going to win this game, yes? Yes. And so they're probably going to win it on the ground. It's going to be Spencer Ware is going to be the guy. Yeah, I think so. So that might be the interesting thing about this is how good is Spencer Ware going to play? Is Jamal Charles going to win back the number one role real easily? Yeah, I mean, he. You know, we we've seen it everywhere where players can you know replace like seeming superstars, but um, it takes a lot, and that would mean Spencer Ware would be amazing. So uh, we'll see. I, I don't know that Spencer Ware has that in him. I think he's good, and I think that he'll get more carries this year. And it'll be like, you know, Charles one, Spencer Ware two that gets, you know, at least a third of the carries. Mm-hmm. Um, so moving on, Arizona 13 over New England. Um, I, I guess because there's no Tom Brady that could make that game easier. I don't know that I would put that many points on Arizona beating New England. Um, you know, it's New England. Yeah, that's the reasoning behind it. Exactly. So I, I, would, I, I, I think that's a bold pick, Tad. There's a lot of points. Uh, 12, Philadelphia over Cleveland. Um, again, I'm not certain that I would put so many points on Philadelphia because I'm not certain how good they're going to be. But picking over Cleveland is pretty easy. <laughs> You're not going to lose a lot of money doing that. Well, we, we talked about Cleveland, and I'm sure we will again, um, just about how they have all of this possible offensive prowess. Um, but I don't think any of it's really going to pan out. Josh Gordon has never come back after that first year to do anything spectacular. They continue to have quarterback problems, and they probably have, um, you know, another couple sacks on RG3 in this game. In fact, um, I, I haven't put in the picks yet for week one, and, and we're expecting to do that probably tomorrow uh, on Fantasy Pros and on our website. But as far as defensive rankings, which I did pretty well at last year, by the way, I think that you did. I think that Philadelphia for me is probably like a, uh, you know, maybe a top five pick. So. Oh, nice. I uh, I think Philadelphia versus Cleveland. Uh, I think they're just going to do all sorts of crazy. Is, is things. that because Philadelphia's shown you things on defense, or because it's Cleveland? Philly's defense is okay, but they're playing a Cleveland uh, Browns offense that has a whole bunch of new guys, uh, you know, new schemes and, and new managers, and uh, um, not only that, but they're they're, they're bringing out Terrell Pryor um, and a rookie to to start as wide receivers, and their quarterback is, is Robert Griffin the third. So you're buying this 12 on Philly? Yeah. I mean, do, do you think that the Browns are going to come out of the gate here? <laughs> I just – I think it's – there's a slightly larger chance than there has been in previous years for the Browns to do that. And, I, you know, I think the, the Eagles are so up in the air. I just I just would put fewer points on both of these. Now, that's – that saying that, I would have to then later on in the list be like no I need to put more points on these guys yeah I think for the time being until they prove otherwise Browns are going to be that team that you fade stuff against the Browns and the Rams they're okay. just they're bad teams fair enough uh, 11 Indy over Detroit I have no problem with putting lots of points against Detroit that's for sure <laughs> so yeah. even though Indy's struggled I think you know you've got everyone healthy right now I think they'll be fine I'm the other way on that because I actually think Detroit could be a good team this year do you so you think that they'll win well, the the Colts haven't really shown us anything from last year. They certainly struggled a lot last year. They and were bad. Maybe you have luck back, but what, what, he can't do anything in the first half anyway, right? So, And you have Frank Gore leading your team, who's like a skeleton. Hey, I'll take Frank Gore early season rather than late season. Yeah, that's true. Uh, uh, but for me, that would be a tough one to put a bunch of points on. Okay, so Baltimore 10 over Buffalo. Again, I'm not thrilled with what Baltimore's got going on. Um 
so you know uh, that's a tough one. There's a lot of there's a lot of toughies in week one. At some point, you got to start putting like 10, 11 points on teams that you're maybe not thrilled about. So I I, told, I see where that's how that's happening, but maybe I would I don't know put ten on Arizona instead. You know, just at least cut that down a little. Do you think that Baltimore? I mean, are they going to win against Buffalo? I don't know, man. Week one is too hard for me to figure out confidence points, to be honest. But I'm happy to listen to what Tad has to say. Sure. <laughs> so uh, he's got Dallas uh, at home over the Giants. I could totally see that Dak Prescott is opening the game, but Tony Romo is not going to be on IR, which means they hope he's back before week six, right? That's the that's the goal with that, is that he comes back week six or earlier so that they you know, don't waste just having him on the roster and losing that extra spot. Well, if you're on IR, it means you can't practice until uh, week seven. That's the issue, because they want. But the designated to return is different, right? I don't think so. Okay. I think they want him to be able to practice the whole time because this is a non-surgery injury, which means that he is going to be out for like three weeks, and then he can go back and practice non-contact. It's going to be more of a pain threshold sort of thing. Yeah, he's gonna. That's why Jason Witten's like he could come back week five, week six. Because he, we know he can play through pain. We'll see. We'll just see what Dak Prescott can do. Yeah, I mean, we have we have the chance, which is always fun to see uh, a rookie quarterback and see what his moves are. But I think it's a, it's not good. It's never good to just throw these guys into the fire in the NFL <laughs> because it can ruin them. Yep. So we've got number eight, uh, Atlanta at home over Tampa Bay. So far, all these have been the home teams. Just want to point that out. I guess early in the season you're going to be more apt to pick that, anyways, uh, because you're not going to know about you know teams that are going to be road warriors or teams that are uh, going to suck at home or you know I think big mismatches in general. We have to assume that everything is going to be the same for the most part as it was last year until uh, until they prove us prove otherwise. Yeah. So I, I do like Atlanta over Tampa Bay. If we're assuming what, from last year to this year, they were a little bit better than Tampa Bay, um, and you know. Julio Jones is still, like, the best player on the field in that game. And, you know, then I, I think you lean towards the, the team with the best player. Yeah, well, the line is the line is minus three right now. So, you know, Vegas, so Vegas, Vegas knows these things. So, uh, Green Bay over Jacksonville is a seven. That's the first away game. Um, so, you know, the uh, Jags are playing well. But it's the Packers, man. I, I totally agree with this pick. I maybe even would put another point or two on it. Again, I like Jacksonville as another team to do to do well, um, but, but just not yet. But yeah, Green Bay's uh, minus five point five right now, and uh, Green Bay will probably win this game. Yeah, I see that. Uh, the Jets at home over Cincinnati. Um, I do like Cincinnati this year, even though uh, they don't have you know a second receiver. I think that somebody. Is going to you know figure that one out? They haven't really had a second receiver. They've had Marvin Jones, but he wasn't like he wasn't even quite good enough to start in fantasy. So you know it's not like they had a whole lot going on at that position in the first place. Uh, so I think that I would flip on these. This is the only pick so far I would flip on where I would say I would take Cincinnati for six points over the Jets. Uh, but we're getting to the point where you know there's fewer points on things, so. It's easier to say it that way. I just, uh, I just like Cincinnati. It's not anything against the Jets, really. I think that they're going to be a solid team too. Uh, it, it is in New York, so maybe the home field advantage kind of swing it. But 
I don't think Cincinnati got any better. They got worse as a team. Um, it's going to take them longer to get themselves back together. And they're not a bad team. They have a decent defense, etc. But the Jets only got better, I think. So it's tough for me to say Cincinnati's going to win. The, the line is currently for the Bengals for just a couple points. So uh, another toss-up. Really? But they're in... They're they're in the Jets, so a toss up would be a negative three for the Jets. Minus two point five. Oh, oh, it's minus two. I thought you said I thought you meant like uh, points for Cincinnati, like Cincinnati was getting points or giving points, giving. That's what I thought you meant. <laughs> yeah, Cincinnati is uh, <laughs> Cincinnati's supposed to win that. Minus two point five. Oh well, then that's a big. That's like being favored by a lot, kind of. Well, it's a little bit considering Seattle's like ten point five over Miami, for example. <laughs> well, yeah. Um, so you've got the Jets, or no, not the Jets, we did that one. The, the closest game they have on here is uh, New Orleans uh, playing Oakland at home, and they're only favored by one point. Really? I like Oakland. I do. And I bet that Tad picked Oakland, but we'll find out in a minute. <laughs> First, we have Denver over Carolina. Um, that's interesting. I do think that Carolina's going to be able to come back and win this game. It is in Denver, so, again, maybe he, you know the home field advantage will... Tip a little bit that way, but I, I like Carolina in this game. I think that they're going to be, you know, the team that is hungrier for the, the win, even though it's just a preseason or not preseason, just a week one game. Um, you know, they're going to want to really beat the, you know, the Broncos aren't going to care as much as the Panthers. That's it. I guess there's nothing. There's nothing really. You know, there's only 16 games in the regular. Every season. game matters a whole lot. So and that's what they always say when people say that. But well, it's not like playing a game uh, like baseball where, where teams go up and down three times and you know, you can lose 20 games in the first half of the season and nobody cares and it doesn't ultimately matter. But uh, I don't I don't know what you mean by Carolina is hungrier. Cuz they lost. I mean, I think that they're going to be a little bit I don't know. Denver has too many problems on offense to like you know, they they don't have a quarterback right now. They have Trevor Simeon. I mean, do you have enough faith that Trevor Simeon is going to beat the Carolina defense? He's better than Peyton Manning was last year. I but think he wasn't. Any, Peyton Manning was good in the Super Bowl, at least. I I think any quarterback you put in is better than Peyton Manning last year. So that I, I don't know if that's true. I don't I don't believe that. So do you like Denver in this game? Uh, Carolina's favored by three points. Uh, the underdog is Denver. It it all depends. If we're if we're looking at the line uh, and the lineup of teams being the same as they were last year, like we were talking about, then Carolina has uh, more of a chance to win because not only do they have all the players that they had last year, but they have another player, Kelvin Benjamin, that wasn't even available for the entirety of the 2015 season. So Denver lost their their main quarterback and guy who was kind of uh, half running the offense. So that's. Yeah, I, I agree with you there. I think Carolina's more put together. They didn't lose anybody. They gained someone. All right. I thought for a second we may be betting on that game. <laughs> well, I, listen, I, I just don't think that Peyton Manning was a very good quarterback last year. So I don't, I don't think anyone's going to argue with that. I don't know what what they're losing, really. We'll see. Northwestern boy, right? Mm, right. Uh, so, four, Washington over Pittsburgh. I suspect you may disagree with that one. Um, so, uh, that's a Monday night game. It should be a really good game. Washington won their division last year. Uh, Pittsburgh was very good last year. They need to have all of their players, and they're not at full strength yet. So that's going to be an issue. However, we know that D'Angelo Williams can fill in very nicely for Le'Veon Bell. So, again, I, I like Pittsburgh in this game as well, even though it's in Washington. I think that the Steelers are 
just, you know, they have so much good talent on the offensive side. They have some issues um, in the secondary. They're going to give up some points, but they're going to score too many points probably exactly. to, to be able to lose. It'll be it'll be a good game because it'll probably be like 35 to 31. Yeah. <laughs> but it's going to be, you know, the, the Steelers always find a way in those kind of games, it seems, to like score just enough points or be the last team with the ball. And hopefully the Steelers' defense can improve a little bit. It has, you know, for a team that prides itself on defense traditionally – uh, they definitely aren't as good as they used to be, just like the Bears. Um, so Tad's got Oakland at number three, uh, picking them to beat New Orleans in New Orleans. Dave, you said that's the closest Vegas line that's out there. Um, but Tad's bold prediction for this week is that not only will the Raiders make the playoffs, but they will win the AFC West. And I love that prediction, Tad. I've actually thrown that out there a few times, like we mentioned that. And I think that... They have as much a chance as uh, the other two contenders in that division. I think Denver, because they're so, uh, you know, because it's so sketchy on offense right now. Kansas City, because they always seem to not quite get there. I think that Oakland has a chance, uh, you know, at least a 20, 25% chance of winning the division. Almost as good as the other guys. Uh, there is a game, uh, Dallas and the, the New York Giants, that is a. Um is a pick, so there's, there's no favorite in that game. Oh, that's a pick em. Okay. Anyways, um, do you like Oakland beating New Orleans? Do you think that they're going to be able to do that in, uh, you know, at the Superdome, or do you think that... No, I y- don't. You're not buying in the Oakland Kool-Aid, kind of like me and Tad are? What's Oakland Kool-Aid? Drinking the Kool-Aid? They could do better than they did last year. It doesn't mean they're going to be a great team and start, you know, beating... And New Orleans was really bad last year. True. And I don't know that they got a whole lot better. Or much better at all. I, I do like you know another year of Mark Ingram there in New Orleans. I think that he's gonna you know become one of the feature backs in the league. They just are gonna have a lot of offense, and uh, Oakland's still developing that. Yeah, they're better at keeping up now. If their defense can stop New Orleans a couple times, then I think they have a shot to win it. It is the highest total game uh, picked in fifty-one points. Ooh, over under fifty-one. Nice. So Minnesota at two on the road in Tennessee. Um, so Minnesota is a team that I think had a good shot at you know overcoming the Packers to win the division this year. Uh, the loss of a quarterback who, yes, was the team leader and stuff, isn't as bad as losing a quarterback on a team where like he's the best player on offense. You know, Teddy Bridgewater is a distant second best player on offense. So um, you know, I, I don't think that. That's going to hurt the Vikings as much as it hurts other teams. So I, I totally got Minnesota winning on the road. This is another game I might put a few more points on. Yeah, that's a total toss-up for me. The The Titans' offense will, will be better than it was last year. and uh, Oh, yeah, it will. Minnesota has a great defense, but they're going to be led perhaps by Sean Hill this week. And uh, they still have Adrian Peterson running out of the shotgun, and there's questionable decisions being made in the play calling um, on the Minnesota Vikings. But I, I do think that as long as they have a game-managing quarterback in the backfield, which this year might be Sam Bradford, if he retains his health throughout the season, then you know perhaps they can finish second in the division um, and make their way to the playoffs. But they're probably one of those teams that doesn't get very far. <laughs> 
Uh, and then finally, wrapping it up, we've got San Francisco at home over St. Louis. Um, Los Angeles. Well, he wrote St. Louis. Well, that screwed me up. I'm going to blame that one on Ted. But it is the Los Angeles Rams this year. Um, you know, uh, I don't know what to say about that. I guess it's a it's it's a toss up. But I like the Rams just because the Niners look so bad. That's a game at nine twenty Central Time that I'm not going to watch all of. It's the night game yeah. on Monday night. Oh, good. I'm so, glad that they put like a real stinker up there. I don't have to worry about so it. So I'm going to watch yeah. the Pittsburgh game, and then I'm just going to go to sleep probably. And the Pittsburgh game will end nice and early for you. <laughs> How convenient. Yeah. All right. Uh, so that's the rest of the confidence. Make sure you check out uh, our website every single week. Ted will be posting his confidence picks, uh, and you too can do awesome. So maybe I'll keep a tradition and use Tad's picks for this week. But maybe not, since I seem to have disagreed with many of them. All right, Dave. So uh, let's, let's move on to... Um, are there any matchups that you want to talk about this week? Any any specific like fantasy stuff you want to get into uh, on any of those matchups as we're talking about those guys? I'm sure I do. I mean, any game that you know you want to go back to? We have the schedule out. Um, the Thursday night game, of course, is the Panthers and the Broncos. Uh, there's a lot of fantasy action in that game. Uh, you know, do you do you have any guys going in your big league in that game? Anybody you're excited to see on Thursday night in in, in its own you know time slot? Uh, I uh, on Thursday night. Yeah, the Thursday night game, the Panthers and the Broncos. You know I'm in like 10 leagues, so it's I have every player pretty much. Okay, so just in general, I mean, are, are you looking to see, like, is Kelvin Benjamin for real, or is Devin Funchess going to be taking over more action from him? Can Ted Ginn actually, like, catch balls on a regular basis? Is that what you're looking for? Are you, are you paying, is there anything you're going to focus on in this game? You're just going to let football wash over you. The uh, the only thing that really matters to me is uh, whether or not Emmanuel Sanders has a role in the offense in Denver, and uh, who gets more targets. Uh, is, you know, is it Devin Funchess or Kelvin Benjamin? Okay, I, I think that both of those are definitely big fantasy questions for this year. Um, I don't. I I like Devin Funchess. I don't know that he can be better than Kelvin Benjamin. Benjamin was awesome in his rookie year. So I'm definitely interested to see that. I know that Benjamin was drafted way higher. I believe I have him in a league or two. Uh, so um, you want to just run down the schedule here real quick? Shall we do that? Go for it. All right. So the Vikings and the Titans, we did just talk about that game. I think that the player I'm most interested in watching in this game is Marcus Mariota. He, you know, his second year now as starting quarterback, um, their offense ran very well during the preseason. Uh, the running game seems to have pro- improved a whole lot because they just signed DeMarco Murray. Um, so, you know, the Vikings are going to be kind of boring in my book fantasy-wise this year. Adrian Peterson will be the only one who's, you know, the really fantasy-relevant, and everyone else is going to be kind of a flyer. Uh, so my interest here in this game lies with the Titans' offense. There are several players... Uh, that I believe can be, uh, you know, fantasy relevant for most of the year, including Mariota. Um, but a guy who I know that uh, you've been enjoying talking about lately, Dave, is Tajay Sharp. He is um, 
going to be essentially the second wide receiver in that on the that offense, right? I mean, I'm I'm not I'm not writing the depth charts or anything, man. But uh, you have Rashard Matthews, uh, who's going to be the number one guy in the Tennessee offense probably because they don't currently have Kendall Wright healthy. Uh, they they got rid of a couple of other guys uh, like Doriel Green Beckham, uh, etc. And uh, and I think he will step right into that role. That's that's what I think is going to happen. Yeah. All right. Um, next game on the list: the Bears and the Texans. Um, I to, I don't know. There's not a whole lot fantasy wise. If I had to look for one thing in this game, it would be uh, how well is Brock Osweiler going to play? He's the guy who got a big contract. He's at the head of an offense that should be good this year. He should be fantasy relevant because he's got DeAndre Hopkins to throw to, because they just drafted a ton of wide receivers for him. Um, so, you know, I, I'd like to see them succeed. I know that you would certainly love to see some Texans receivers start going off. Um, so, you know, that's that's the side of this that I'm most interested in, that and Jeremy Langford. You know, I, I think he's definitely going to be getting the majority of the carries early, but can he translate that into a lot of production? If he does, he's going to stay that way, I think. And he's going to keep getting the carries. I don't think that they're going to, you know, reel him in or anything like that. Yeah, I, I like Lamar Miller there. Um, I like Tyler Irvin, who's the third down uh, sort of back, who's another rookie. And uh, Braxton Miller stepped right into the, the uh, Cecil Shorts uh, spot as the, as the slot receiver. And he's just been awesome, apparently. You know, he's a former quarterback um, and a really fast guy, good route runner. And then Will Fuller is apparently this super burner who's going to go right outside of uh, DeAndre Hopkins. So the problem is we're talking about three rookies on a team. If if one of them or two of them can go off, then they're going to have a, a really nice offensive year. But what are the odds that you know two of those rookies out of three have impressive years? That's that's not very um, statistically uh, probable. True, but I think that you know at least one of them. Should have a good year. I think that that's that's you know relatively likely. So I like um, I like all the youth there. I like the youth movement. Uh, we must drink for our guy Cecil Shorts, of course, who has now landed himself a role as a slot receiver in Tampa Bay. So where'd my schedule go? Tampa Bay is going to be playing the Falcons. I am jumping out of order, but I like to I like that segue. Um, <clears throat> Cecil Shorts is not going to be a fantasy-relevant uh, player in this game, at least, and probably not that much over the year, because I think that the Bucks are going to have one of the better tandems this year. Vincent Jackson and Mike Evans are both, you know, Vincent Jackson, not too old yet to be putting up big numbers. Mike Evans is an up-and-coming guy who should remain a top-ten wide receiver uh, for this season. You know, even though he only had three touchdowns last year, he's still basically a top-ten guy. So that's going to go back up. He'll be fine. I think that um, you know Jameis Winston is improving. He's a guy who's uh, you know considered a little bit of a sleeper this year. Would you say? Um, if only because he's going to be on a team with a lot of offense. You know he like you know he's got Doug Martin too. So I, I like those the, the receiving core there is you know my favorite part. Okay, and then the Falcons are the Falcons, right? Do you think that uh, what does that mean? Who they sign? Well, I mean, they're going to be they're going to be decent, but you know, essentially an eight and eight team, where they're like, uh, you know, I guess you could call it mediocre. 
who is the guy who they signed to put line up opposite Julio Jones? Who's their number two wide receiver? Um, I forget his name. They uh, they they picked up one of the receivers from Cincinnati, so they have Mahomes. Oh, they have Sanu. Sanu, yep. I need some depth charts here. Um, so, I mean, do you think that Sanu is going to be fantasy relevant this year, or do you think that he's just kind of another like fit body to fill in the Roddy White position? But really, it's all Julio in the running game. Yeah, I. I... He's never really done anything for me on on Cincinnati, and so he's not going to immediately be on the radar. And I haven't really seen him being drafted very high, except uh, you know he does go in deeper leagues and etc. Or is owned in dynasty leagues, for example, just because he's a WR two on a team where Matt Ryan has a chance to throw for four thousand yards every year. But the yardage um, is generally eaten up by lots of targets um, once you're talking about once you're done talking about Julio Jones. Yeah. Uh, so the Browns and the Eagles, um, boy, I I don't like that game. I, there's not a whole lot I really care about early in the season. I mean, the Browns, I'm interested to know like if anybody's going to be relevant, but they're not intriguing. I don't really care if Robert Griffin III is good or bad at football anymore. Like, it doesn't. It doesn't really matter to me at this point. And the Eagles, like, it, the, I guess the most interesting thing is, is Carson Wentz going to play week one? If he does, how good will he be? He only played in the one preseason game that he got hurt in, so he hasn't had a ton of experience. It's kind of like just throwing a guy in there uh, and just seeing seeing what happens. And that's what they've done since they got rid of Sam Bradford. That's all they got left. Right. Uh, so do you think Carson Wentz can have any kind of success early on? you think because it's the Browns, like, it's – maybe best-case scenario for him? They have good targets in um, Jordan Matthews and Zach Ertz on that team. So if he can get the ball out, then they can be fairly successful. They've got Ryan Matthews and Darren Sproles. Um, I think Wendell Smallwood is now on the Eagles as well. Um, yeah. So all of those guys are, are good targets that are good at you know being pass catchers, that are good at blocking. So I wouldn't rule them out of anything, but Carson Wentz isn't ready to be the quarterback yet. So that's what you're talking about. This is a team that's disheveled. This is a team where the management was broken, um, and therefore all of the pieces may not work together the way they're looking for them to. I agree. Uh, I'm not really expecting like too much greatness out of this game in particular. It'll be an example of bad Week 1 football. Uh, so you've got the Bills and the Ravens, another example of bad week one football. At least they've thrown them all at noon so that we can just watch the Red Zone channel and just watch people score touchdowns over and over again. I don't know that that's true about this game, it. to be honest with you. Uh, so, uh, I mean, the Bills, I think, are probably a, the better team. I think that the Bills can win this game as well. Um, they they have a good defense. They have Sammy Watkins and Tyrod Taylor on offense, as well as LaShawn McCoy. That's, you know, um, maybe... Joe Flacco can say that he's a better quarterback, but right now I'm not sure that that's the case. It certainly wasn't the case last year. Um, so the, the Bills have them beat at all three of those positions fantasy-wise. Uh, so is, is there anyone on the Ravens you would even want to start in this game, Dave? Yeah, I love Mike Wallace. I think he's going to come back this year and, and score tons of points. I've seen a lot of buzz on him because him and Joe Flacco have been connecting really well. You know that Mike Wallace was on a team where there was almost zero deep ball connection, 
and then he moved Minnesota, and then he moved from that to uh, I mean, or Miami, and then Minnesota, and then even worse, <laughs> exactly. And now he's back to Baltimore, which uh, my actually, mistake proved your point. Well, right, and and Flacco is arguably the best deep ball thrower in the NFL, so they're really going to connect on a good level, and not to mention the fact that you remember their. Um, um, the guy calling the plays for them is Mark Trestman, who's kind of a, a pass-happy, interesting system guy. And they've got a number of good running backs on their team. Uh, now, Kenneth Dixon, the explosive rookie, is injured. But they do have Justin Forsett and Terrence West. And Terrence West has looked awesome. We already know what Forsett can do. They have Javorius Buck Allen as well. They have a lot of weapons, I think. And they still have a decent defense, I think. So, I don't know. I think this game could actually be a good one. Um, I think a lot of people are underestimating Mike Wallace and the Baltimore Ravens in general. And it's my opinion uh, in the AFC North, because I am a fan of of that division and the Pittsburgh Steelers in general, that the Baltimore Ravens will be the best team in the North besides the Steelers. I think Cincinnati you know, takes a bit of a tumble this year. Well, you've given me some things to watch for in Baltimore. I appreciate that. I like the Ravens. I want them to do all right. I'll... Not me. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so the Chargers and the Chiefs are playing. The Chargers are kind of this season's dumpster fire. Um, I don't think that they'll be the worst team in the league, but they'll be the dumpster fire of the league in just a wholly undesirable situation going on there. Um, so they have a lot of talent. They have Keenan Allen. They have Melvin Gordon and Danny Woodhead. They've got Phillip Rivers, who is an excellent quarterback. So they've got enough fantasy tools there. Uh, you know, do you... Th- hmm. I don't know what my... I don't really have a question about the Chargers. I, I think they are going to be who I think they are. Well, they have Antonio Gates. They just traded for Travis Benjamin. Uh, they, they have a lot of playmakers. And if you're saying that the problem is the management and the whole stadium situation, etc., I mean, I I, that, I think that's going to bleed over onto the field. I do. That that may not affect their fantasy relevance. It may not, but I, I think that it's going to cause the team to lose, and that may help their fantasy value. Right. <laughs> if they're losing, so maybe maybe it's a good thing. Maybe we'll get a, a full you know two full receivers from that team uh, worthy of like good starts every week. Well, you should. I mean, before even when they had Dontrell Inman, when everyone got injured, and he still kept getting seven targets, or, I mean, seven receptions a game. It, the, those guys are going to get passes. Yeah, Philip Rivers is going to throw for 4,000 yards. It's oh, just, uh, yeah, for sure. It's already going to happen. And Danny Woodhead in PPR leagues is going to clean up. So on the other side, um, you know, Travis Kelsey is a guy who I've noticed has been drafted a little bit high in drafts, at least. According to my opinion, he's been drafted high. Do you think that he can kind of recapture what's going on, or are you leaning more towards what you were saying earlier about Alex Smith, where he doesn't really throw touchdowns? You know, why would you want to dra- why would you want a tight end like that? In his second year last year, he had 875 yards and five touchdowns on 72 receptions. Um, I like that. I think that's very high for a tight end. Okay, and he's probably not going to play. Uh, well, I, do you think he's going to start in week one? Wasn't he injured for a little while or something? Uh, I, maybe you're confusing him with Eifert. I don't okay. think he was. Well, then if that's the case, then I think that he's going to uh, to do what he did last year, which is basically uh, catch somewhere between three and six receptions each game. Um, the problem is going to be not having a very high touchdown uh, percentage per game, just like you were mentioning. So it, it's not an issue of catching balls. 
And because he does catch three to six uh, receptions per game, that automatically puts him in the top ten tight ends uh, in the NFL, as far as fantasy is concerned. Yeah, you really can't. And, and Jesus, has he been consistent? 862 and then 875 for his yardage. Five touchdowns each season. Yeah, and he's been healthy. Um, so I would I would consider him to do about the same or, or get slightly better. Okay, so uh, here's my question. Alex then. Smith has thrown for more yards every year. I guess this is a slight digression into draft strategy, but let me just run with this for a second. Is it worth even drafting a guy who's only going to put up those numbers, even though he's a tight end, um, and he's maybe the best five at his position uh, because you're going to get better production out of a different position at that value of, I don't know where his ADP is, six or seven, we'll say. Do you think it's worth drafting a position that's going to put up worse production but have, you know, you can at least fill the spot? Or is it better to just go hunting later on? We've had this discussion before, and it's positional uh, scarcity. Um, So if you don't take Travis Kelsey at that particular point, then what you're saying is um, I'm going to draft a tight end that's worse than him. So if you draft a tight end that's out of the top ten, they might not you know, get half of his production over, over the whole season. So, I mean, if, if your question is don't draft him when you can get wide receivers, eventually you have to draft a tight end. So your job is, is picking... Uh, what is the best tight end that I can that I can possibly get um, at like the the bottom of a tier? Right. So it's not it's not about whether or not you should draft a tight end at a position. It's about where are you getting the tight end in relation to everybody else getting their tight ends. So if Travis Kelsey drops because there's this huge gap between the tight ends that are drafted, then he's it's totally fine to take him there. He's kind of like so. Greg Olson's ADP forty, and then he's fifty-seven. So it's possible that he drops a few rounds like that. Well, I think in most of these drafts that I've done over the past couple weeks, right, um, for quarterbacks and for tight ends, there tends to be four or five of them, or I should say three, maybe three of them taken early, and then a big gap between the next ones. So if you are the person to start that next run, then it's worth it. But yeah, it, it feels great to be at the head of a run. I love it. Well, it's pretty easy, right? You just have to you just have to talk about that position a whole lot after you uh, after you've drafted it, <laughs> and then people get paranoid. Uh, yeah, sure. Oh, there's not many of those guys left, right? Or he was the last one. Uh, so the Raiders and the Saints. We were talking about them earlier. Um, you know, the what I like in this game is probably the. Uh, Raiders passing game. I like watching Amari Cooper and Michael Crabtree catch passes from Derek Carr. Uh, he's a good young quarterback. Um, and I'm interested to see like who on the Saints is going to step up. Will it be Brandon Cooks and Willie Sneed still? Is the new guy Mike Thomas, Michael Thomas going to be uh, fantasy relevant? Probably not in week one. And then, uh, you know, maybe the biggest issue that the Saints need to fill is Jimmy Graham's shoes, where, you know, they've got Kobe Fleener this year. It's a proper pass catching tight end Ben Watson was kind of you know a blocking tight end in disguise a bit last year but he did all right he acquitted himself well if you will um so you know Kobe Fleener didn't have a great preseason with Drew Brees but I I don't know that that necessarily matters those guys have both been around for a little while um so do you think that Kobe Fleener can kind of step up 
in that position on that team and be good, or do you think that he's a bust this year? It's too hard to tell the answer to that question. When when players move teams like that, it's so unpredictable. There's a lot going on. That's true. I I would say that he is um, he's a he has a good shot for finishing in the top ten tight ends, and beyond that, it's it's really difficult to tell how he'll be used. But he, you're right that he was playing the move tight end position previously, and so um, they drafted him or not drafted, but uh, they picked him up in order to continue that offensive uh, position and so they're going to pass him the ball and you drafted him if you drafted him in one of your leagues to be a top five tight end yeah so the dangerous that's that part, kind of bottom of the tier value you were you were hoping for yeah so the dangerous part comes in you don't really know how well he knows the offense and and what his relationship is with uh breeze etc but i think that he has just a, a good a chance as anyone else uh in the top 10 besides Gronkowski and Olsen. Those are the guys that are just kind of locked in. Okay, so let me ask you then about a guy who's staying on his team this year. Michael Crabtree had 85 catches last year, nine touchdowns. Can he match either of those two numbers this year? So he'll probably have less production just because of the fact that Amari Cooper um, was not always the go-to guy in his rookie year. And I think he's going to become the go-to guy in every situation now. Whereas before they would look to Crabtree a lot as a possession receiver, um, some of those targets are now going to go to Cooper instead. So I think you'll see his production stay the same or go down, not increase. Yeah, 146 targets last year must put him way high up in the league. That's a lot. Yeah, but he's still not he's still not one of the first wide receivers off the board. He's going at a comfortable uh, spot. Michael Crabtree is, exactly. So that may be some uh, good value there, everybody. Keep an eye on him. Well, Crabtree and Decker, they kind of, they all go out a little bit too low for what they're actually worth. Sure. Um, but it, those those second guys are riskier. Um, so, uh, next game on the list here is the Bengals and the Jets. Uh, that is one of the noon games. Um, like I said earlier, I like the Bengals in this game. I think Vegas betters agree with me, um, which, you know, they're just the betters. That's where the line goes. It's not necessarily who's going to win and lose. So, on um, you know, you've got the Jets have a lot of the same offense in terms of the passing game, but then they've added Matt Forte and lost Chris Ivory. So, Matt Forte, obviously, a guy who can stay on the field for all three downs, a guy who can burn offenses and that defenses are going to have to focus on it first, at least. Um, so, does Matt Forte's presence actually somehow open up even more in the passing game here? No. Ivory Ivory was fine last year. Uh, Powell was fine last year. Yeah. Still, I think it'll just be more of the same for them. Do you think that Powell will take a larger share this year? Because, you know, they've got an older guy in Forte rather than Ivory who is younger. I think they'll they'll literally run the hot hand in the game all year. So, I don't think they have a plan necessarily. You scoop up someone like Forte late in his career, uh, he still wants to go out there and play. And the kind of the kind of back he is, you know, I, I think he probably has a couple of years left in him. But if Powell's playing well by the same regard, they're not going to throw Forte out there 20 times a game. So I think they just split it down the middle, right? I mean, what, what do you, what's the projection at the moment? I don't know what the projection would be. In my book, I think that they would go like um, 60-40 at least in Matt Forte's direction for now. 
Um, but a, a split down the middle is probably news to any Bilal Powell owner's ears. <laughs> you know, that would be great for him. He, he's good, too. I, I like Bilal Powell. Um, he was kind of a sneaky guy at the end of last year uh, to kind of start, and he would get, like, you know, 80 yards and a touchdown as the number two guy. And if you had him in PPR, he'd had another three or four catches. It was wonderful. Uh, so you've got the final noon game is the Packers in Jacksonville playing the Jaguars. Um, you know, can Aaron Rodgers spend like at least two quarters of this game in the pool and still win it? <laughs> or, or are the Jaguars a real team and he needs to pay full attention to him? You know the Jaguars are a good team. And they can beat anybody who's not paying attention. The Jaguars still only won like four games last year, didn't they? Right. Yeah, I mean, we thought they were good last year, and they still only won four. So they are good. They they have a young defense. They better. have a young offense, uh, and it's not about them winning. It was about them almost winning a lot of games. They almost won an awful lot of them. That's true. So I I, I like the Jaguars this year. Not enough at all to pick them over the Packers, and I'm fine with the Packers having a lot of points in this game too. So uh, three o'clock games. You've got uh, the Dolphins and the Seahawks. We talked about that uh, at the top of the show. Seahawks, probably the, you know, 16 in this week, I think, makes a lot of sense, calling them, you know, the most confident uh, win of the week. Uh, the Dolphins just don't have enough going for them yet. They do have a new head coach. Uh, they do uh, have a new running back. Uh, but he's a guy who's been around the league for a while, who's been banged up a lot. So, you know, I don't know what's going to happen there. You know, their best... I would say their best uh, resource right now is their wide receiving core because they have Jarvis Landry and they have a lot of young guys. Uh, and they've got Kenny Stills, who's not quite a young guy anymore. Um, but the young guys are not staying healthy. Devontae Parker has you know, had the typical wide receiver soft tissue injuries now, and it's starting to get annoying. So uh, w- which aspect of the offense do you think is going to work better in this game, do you think that they'll be able to run the ball at all? Do you think that they'll be able to pass the ball at all? Is the Seattle defense too good? And the Dolphins aren't a bad team. Lamar Miller did just fine. Uh, I don't see why Arian Foster would have a, a tough time, you know, moving the ball a little bit. Uh, Jarvis Landry is a is a superstar, um, and he's just getting better. You know, he went to the same school as uh, Odell Beckham. He does a lot of crazy catches, etc. Um, not really like an an outside guy, though, so he's he's a lot less flashy. Um, but let's talk about targets. I mean, he's one of the top target receivers in the game. And then Kenny Stills has been doing great this year, so I, I do think we'll see a lot of him probably in week one. Um, and that's what we're going to see. Devonta Parker's not going to play probably. Uh, some of those other guys like Leontay Carew, um, th- these are up-and-coming wide receivers that are not going to make an immediate impact on the team, and then of course you got Jordan Cameron, who's been an underachiever for the Dolphins. Seems like he got paid and doesn't really want to put forth the effort. But I don't know the situation there. Um, I I think that they'll be just fine, but that puts a lot of faith in their new system because half the reason, in my opinion, they weren't playing well over the last two years was the coaching and play calling, and not the talent of the players in the system. Yeah, I love Jarvis Landry. He may be my favorite player in this game. Um, Landry is a guy who, you you know, like you said, PPR monster. So in his first season, he had 11 starts and 112 targets. His second season, 
He had 14 starts out of 16 games, 166 targets. So he had 110 receptions just last year. He's got 194 catches in two seasons. I mean, this is the kind of guy that could, like, if he keeps this up, could go on to break receiving records in terms of just pure number of receptions. Um, So obviously he's not going to blow anyone away with his yards per catch or with his touchdowns even. He only has nine touchdowns uh, receiving on his career. But he can, you know, kind of get in on the ground. He also uh, has been a punt returner and kick returner for the team. I don't. Is he going to keep doing that? Do you know? Is he still in that role? I'm not sure. I mean, he rushes, right? He had 17 rushes for 111 yards and a touchdown last year. So he does things. Yeah. He just he's he's not just a one sort of. Uh, uh, there is not just one trick for this pony. Sure. <laughs> but yes, the the big thing he does here is catch balls. If you have him in PPR, then you're a happy person, I'm sure. Happy human. Um, where's your next game? So the Giants and the Cowboys are going to be playing. Of course, they get a prime spot, and they're going to be in Dallas. Um, obviously, I think what everyone's interested in, in this game is how good is Rashad Jennings, right? That's the most important thing in this game. I'm not really interested. (laughs) There is talk that he's going to get more work, but I will wait to see it to believe it. I'm not even going to recommend like trying to draft him early because he's a little bit better value or anything like that right now. The Cowboy or the Giants have used way too much of a running back by committee in the past years that I don't trust much that goes on in the backfield. Hmm. Meanwhile, the Cowboys, um, I'm interested in Dak Prescott if only. Uh, to protect Des Bryant investments, right? You have to have someone to throw the ball to Des Bryant in order for him to, to score points. He's he's one of the best receivers in the league, so I don't really think they just have to have some semblance of a quarterback. <laughs> and then, you know, Des can do the rest. All right. So you've got the Lions and the Colts, the uh, other 3 o'clock game. You know, one of the things to note about the NFL scheduling, so they've got nine games going on at noon. They could have pushed one or two of them to a 3 o'clock game so that it's more balanced. I think that that would be the smart decision there. So the Lions and the Colts are going to be playing. Um, You know, I, I guess I'm most interested to see Andrew Luck. I want to know if Andrew Luck... Not if he's healthy or this or that. I want to know if he can be the kind of quarterback that can get better at being a quarterback. Or if, like, he just comes in with talent and, you know, and what he's got and can't really develop it onto the next level. Because that's where Andrew Luck needs to go at this point. He's plenty gifted physically to play this position. He knows how to play it decently well, but he needs to make smart decisions all the time. You see games with Aaron Rodgers and Drew Brees, and those guys might make a mistake in a game. They might. And usually the mistake's not that big. Andrew Luck is the guy who throws three picks in the first half and figures out what's going on in the second half. And that's great that he figures it out and that he wins games, he's taking them to the playoffs, yada, yada. But I want to know if Andrew Luck can be the guy who can stop making those mistakes. And that's the most important thing for me to see out of him this year. That starts here, in game one. So do you think Andrew Luck can recover and stop making all those dumb mistakes? Or do you think he's just going to keep being the guy who throws you know, poorly in the first half and really well in the second half? I don't know. You, you don't have any faith in him in getting better? Or you just don't know? Well, I'm in 10 leagues. I haven't drafted him in any of them. And I'm not going to. So that'll... Well, that also speaks to what you think of quarterback value. Did you draft quarterback 
early in any league that didn't warrant drafting one early, meaning like a, a, a league that really stresses a quarterback, in any kind of standard scoring league at all, did you draft a quarterback early? That's difficult for me to remember. Okay. But I think I may have taken a Drew Brees or something. All right, all right. <laughs> Drew Brees, you know, wasn't a guy who was going in the top. He was like five of the top five. So the Patriots are playing the Cardinals in the Sunday night game uh, on opening weekend. Uh, that should be an awesome Sunday night game. They're playing in Arizona. Um, obviously, people are going to be interested in what the hell is going on with New England and Garoppolo. Uh, but I, personally, as far as fantasy options go on that team, Edelman and Gronkowski are the guys who you probably would have started anyways. I think they'll be fine. Uh, I, I think that you're rolling the dice starting any running back from New England any week, pretty much no matter what, as long as Bill Belichick is coaching them. Um, I don't think it's going to be that good of a game. Really? Gar- Garoppolo's not that great of a quarterback. Edelman was still slightly injured. Um, so isn't it really just going to be like we're going to try to run the ball, we're going to try to you know prevent any major plays, uh, and we're going to try to pass the ball to Gronkowski to get first downs? And then the Cardinals are just going to mostly roll over them, you think? I think th- I think the Cardinals will win, uh, and they have a the better offense, and I think they should be able to score um, more points. So, yeah, but I I mean, I don't think with, with Brady out that there's much of a chance of New England winning. Sure. And I think the Cardinals are definitely a Super Bowl contender this year, so uh, this will be a chance for them to really show that they're still relevant. Everyone sort of remembers them getting smoked in the NFC Championship game, so... They, too, have a bad taste in their mouth. All right. Monday night games. Uh, I do like the double header on Monday night. Even if I am not going to watch the entire second game, uh, you get a good chunk of it, and, you know, that's fine. So you've got the Steelers and the Redskins to start things off. Dave will be waving his terrible towel at 6.10 p.m. Central Time. Um, th- this is a 15-minute delayed start from before, I believe, my memory serves, that they used to start this game at 5.55 Central. Um, Not that, I guess that's a huge deal, but remember that the game starts early on Monday night and you have to get your lineup in before the game starts. (laughs) Um, So they'll be playing in Washington. Washington, uh, they got rid of their running back last year, so they're going to roll with Matt Jones. They're going to roll with a young crew at running back. Dave, who do you like in the running back crew of the Redskins? Is it going to be Jones or is it going to be one of the young guys? Um, so Matt Jones had his chance last year. He did pretty well, except he just kept fumbling the ball. And it looks like he was having those similar issues this year in, uh, you know, what limited preseason play that there was. Now, I'm, my favorite guy on the team is Chris Thompson. Chris Thompson was, was really good um, in, in a PPR league or in those, those leagues where you draft running backs later because he kept going out there all the time. You'd hear Thompson, Thompson got a touchdown, Thompson got a pass. And when they do that, you know, when they bring in those those uh, third down backs or scat backs, or even bringing them in for alternate series, doing some short yardage work, it means that they don't completely trust that number one guy, uh, right? So you've got um, an undrafted free agent named Rob Kelly that a lot of people think that if Matt Jones doesn't work out, they're just going to move him right up and try to give him the shot. Um, but I, I think it'll end up being Matt Jones. Um, all year long with Chris Thompson behind him. And for me, Matt Jones is not a guy I can take because even though he made some good plays last year, half of those plays ended up being fumbles or uh, <laughs> and then the points were taken back. He reminded you of Tevin Coleman, I'm sure. 
So it's never a good thing when the players can't finish the plays, and then of course the, uh, you know, the coaches aren't going to keep them in in the long term. Right. Totally. Um, so on the Steelers side, I'll, I'll take the Steelers if you don't mind. <laughs> um, what I'm looking for is Marcus Wheaton. Is Marcus Wheaton going to be able to step up and play in that second spot? Um, obviously, we're missing Martavis Bryant. You can actually finish this whole beer if you like. Uh, that's the Dragon's Milk that we're drinking now. It is from New Holland. It's a barrel-aged, uh, you know, it's a, it's a heavy-ass beer with a very strong flavor. 11% bourbon barrel-aged out, yeah. Yeah, there you go. That's so, a mouthful. So uh, I didn't reach to get the entire beer right away, but, you know, things happen. Well, you didn't have to take the whole beer. You told me I did. You insisted. I totally put a gun to your head and made you drink it all. That's right. You shouldn't chug the beer, though. That's ridiculous. Well, now I'm going to have to. <laughs> so, like I said, I, I'm looking forward to seeing what Marcus Whedon can offer to the offense on a weekly basis. He's never been the guy going into the season like this. Uh, they've always known that they've had, you know, Martavis Bryant, at least in their back pocket. So um, Marcus Wheaton being effective all season long. Dave, will he be the guy at the end of the year as well, and is he going to get 70-plus catches? They are letting Marcus Wheaton uh, do some work on the outside, which is what he's actually pretty good at. He's a fast guy. He's got good measurables. They've always thought that he could be a guy who's opposite A.B. doing those kind of things that Martavis Bryant did, but as a smarter player. Um, but for whatever reason, he hasn't really caught on. Um, and whether that be injuries, the first year he was a stealer, he had uh, some kind of injury to his hand like the whole year. Um, so that didn't help matters much. But now that Martavis Bryant looks like he's not really long for football because he just keeps you know screwing up year after year, we've got a couple of uh, of different options, and those options are Marcus Wheaton or Sammy Coates. One of those guys will end up being the number two dude who runs outside, you know, alongside and across from Antonio Brown. I think they are going to give every opportunity to Wheaton again to be the guy, and I think if he can't do it this year, that they're just going to move on from him. They have to. I think it's also uh, a contract year for him this year and next year, so... That's kind of the end. Um, so I, I hope he does well. All signs point to him doing well, but he's never been able to go out and show it over a long period of time. And then who's the receiver who's new to the team who's going to take like a third spot? So Eli Rogers is yes. a uh, he's a, um, a college player from the University of uh, Louisville, and now he is in a slot um, for the Steelers. He's a five foot ten, one eighty pound guy. Uh, and the Steelers haven't had a slot guy in years and years. They picked up Lance Moore, but he was too old. Um, they kind of liked Randall L for that kind of thing, but Randall L was a gadget guy. He wasn't really a slot. Doesn't Antonio Brown line up in the slot sometimes? Well, sure, but I mean, all, he lines those, up all, over all those receivers line up all over the field. When you catch 200, you know, when you get 200 targets a year, you start from everywhere. Right, and and if you're a good enough receiver, you can run any route in any any receiver position, X, Y, Z. Blindfolded. Blind, yeah. <laughs> So here's a guy who's not super fast, but he's been kind of lighting it up in the preseason. Um, and Todd Haley has said he really likes him, and he's, he said he really wanted a slot receiver for a long time. He's never really had one on the Chiefs uh, that was really successful or on the Steelers after he went to the Steelers. So now he's got this new guy to mess around with. On a team like the Steelers, when you have Antonio Brown and Le'Veon Bell, and then you have another guy who just has really sure hands and can run around in the near field, it's going to be impossible for 
for other you know opposing teams' defenses to to cover all these people. And I think if uh, if all works out well, then you might see the Steelers break some records this year because if Wheaton and Rodgers both come out and start catching passes, I don't see how anyone can stop their offense. Yeah, the, if someone is always open, Ben Roethlisberger can always buy time. Right. They would have to have like the greatest defensive line ever to stop him, really. This comes to... You need seven foot tall. You need the mountain to tackle Ben Roethlisberger. Yeah, this comes to what always happens for the Steelers, um, and that is they don't have a good backup quarterback. So if, if there's no Roethlisberger, then they're not going to win the games. There's, Landry Jones is not good enough. They signed Zach Mettenberger, <laughs> but he wasn't good enough for, for a bunch of teams. You know, their their last good backup was probably like Bruce Gredkowski, but he keeps getting injured and now he's like forty. Look, backup quarterbacks are backup quarterbacks for a reason. They would be starters somewhere if they were good enough. I, I don't know, you have you have backups like uh uh Kyle Orton or, or you know, um some other guys that can take you to the sure, playoffs. And Kyle Orton wound up getting a job somewhere. Right, and being a starter for a year or, and or, a half, or Aaron Rodgers and those kinds of guys that get locked up behind starting quarterbacks. That's yeah, that would be the exception to the rule for sure. Is that if there's a guy you're going to just hold on to behind, like a uh, Jared Goff this year? I'm just saying we we haven't as a team. The Steelers haven't drafted any quarterback uh, uh, guys that we wanted to be the successor. We haven't. Spent... You haven't needed to draft a quarterback since 2004 because Ben Roethlisberger was fucking awesome as a rookie. I mean, that's amazing. If you don't have to worry about drafting quarterbacks for the last 12 years, that's a good job by that team. Sure. Yeah, I mean, the issue is just that if he's not there, then they are not really a football team anymore. And they, they drafted later in the first round. That's that. If, if you guys like watching documentaries about sports, there are documentaries written about the 2004 draft and the quarterbacks that came out of that class. That was a draft where Eli was drafted, Pete, or, um, Philip Rivers was drafted, and Ben Roethlisberger was drafted, all in the first round. I think there were a couple other quarterbacks of note taken in that draft, but that was where uh, Eli refused to play for San Diego, and then they went to New York and all this stuff. Um, and the whole time the Steelers are just sitting there watching everything going on and thinking, well, I think we're going to get our guy. We might just get our guy. I think it's going to work for us. <laughs> um, so, yeah, definitely good stuff. Uh, on to the very last game of the weekend. The Rams are playing the 49ers in San Francisco at uh, Levi Stadium or whatever. Um, so uh, I like the Rams in this game, if only because the Niners seem to be so dysfunctional and they have uh, Blaine Gabbert starting at quarterback. And statistically speaking, Blaine Gabbert is going to lose the game. Um, so, you know, the Rams with Case Keenum, you know, it's not like Case Keenum's a great quarterback, but I probably... Uh, I'm in the camp where I think that you should sit these young guys for at least a, a little while to get them to learn to know a few things before you really start putting miles on them. Right? They, they all want to do that. That's always the idea. Yeah, but I think that some teams just throw them in because they don't have much. Like Even with Andrew Luck, they did that. But you have to after a certain point. And they had to, I guess, because of the injury, but they could have still signed a veteran like uh, St. Louis has done. Yeah, I mean, you have the guy, you have to play him. Uh, you want him to be behind certain players. You you want the Aaron Rodgers, Brett Favre relationship, you know, but that's that's a pipe dream for most teams. Yeah, I mean, you can't credit it all the drafting because they traded for Brett Favre, but 
Um, you know, they were pretty stable at quarterback for a very long time. That's nice. As a Bears fan, I am not even secretly incredibly jealous. Well, Brett Favre was pretty terrible, let's be honest. I think most people looking back now are like, yeah, he was great and, and interesting, but he couldn't ever really win anything because he just kind of went out of control and, like, threw crazy interceptions and, like, chucked the ball when he shouldn't have. And uh, You know, when they did the, the whole uh, into the Hall of Fame thing recently, yeah, there was a lot of reflections from um, sportscasters in Wisconsin and in Chicago about how if they had to choose, if they really wanted Brett Favre for all those years, they wouldn't have done it because he was nothing but frustrating. Oh, he was incredibly frustrating. He had over 20 interceptions, one, two, three, four, five, six times, led the league in that stat four times. His only year under 10, I mean under, I guess, 12, under 13 was when he had seven in 2009 with the Vikings. That was his very best year. That was when, like, in the modern fantasy age, he was like a stud in that year in 2009. He had 4,200 yards, 33 touchdowns, only seven picks. That was great. (laughs) He led the league in interception percentage, meaning he had the fewest interceptions per pass. Just one year. I mean, hell, he had, in his very first year, two passing attempts and four passing attempts and two interceptions. So he is the interception master of all time. Right. We'll give him that. (laughs) Even Rex Grossman has nothing on that. Well, that's why Rodgers doesn't throw very many interceptions, because he learned from the best. Yeah, (laughs) he learned from the best. All right. I did not know it would be quite that loud. So that explosion you just heard is me opening up the 20th anniversary Stone Citricado IPA. Double India Pale Ale brewed with citra hops and avocado flower honey. 9% alcohol by volume. That's exciting. I'm most excited to try this beer. Alright Dave, so uh, what I want to touch on now is some waiver pickups. Say you drafted early in August and you realize that, holy crap, I have Ladarius Green on my team. What am I supposed to do? Um, So uh, some of the most popular waiver pickups on Yahoo right now going on. So we've got Jesse James, the tight end for Pittsburgh. He's kind of a uh, Ladarius Green replacement right now because Green is down uh, with an ankle injury and rumored headache problems. Um, So, you know, for sure he's got the ankle injury. He's not ready to play yet. Uh, So Jesse James will be the guy, right, week one in Pittsburgh? He'll be the starting tight end. Is he going to be, you know, do you think that he's a guy who's going to get a lot of passes or is it more like Heath Miller where like he might pop up for a few passes in a game, but for the most part, it's going to be one, two, three targets a game at most. He's a project tight end that has a really big build. Um, they drafted him recently uh, to you know be depth and a big body and to be a project. And they drafted Ladarius Green, or picked him up rather, uh, to be the starting tight end. So he's not their first choice, and he is not a... Uh, he is not a very good guy to just go and grab, I, I don't think. There's too many targets already 
on the Steelers, they're not going to be passing the ball to Jesse James all game. Huh. He is the most added player today on Yahoo. That's interesting. So, um, I, you know, I, I don't know that I would want to start him this week, that's for sure. But if you did draft Ladarius Green, you could do worse in picking up a replacement. Well, I would rather have Vance McDonald on the 49ers or Virgil Green on the Denver Broncos uh, than Jesse James on the Steelers. Uh, that feels like three just random guys to me. I guess uh, it doesn't. I mean, the, none of those guys feel like someone who I can even count on each week for like forty yards necessarily. So you pick up Jesse James, you see what happens in the first couple weeks. Um, so Tajay Sharp, wide receiver, Tennessee. So what I like about Tajay is that um, Marcus Mariota, uh, and we're gonna just continue to not get that right. I think is just the way that's gonna go. Um, said about his wide receiver sharp that he makes it easy right and when you have a guy who's going to become like a quarterback's favorite target that shit is fantasy gold um so sharp is i don't know how many what percentage of leagues he's owned in in yahoo for example uh but i doubt that he's owned in even half the leagues right now so uh take a look at tajay sharp i'm spelling it as I search for it. Um, T-A-J-A-E. That's not the part I was getting wrong, I hate to admit. Sharp with <laughs> He's only owned in 42% of leagues. I was just putting the... I was typoing. That's Anyways. still a pretty high percentage for a guy that was a sleeper pick about two weeks ago. Sure, and make sure that you know no one else is... You know, don't sleep on him anymore, I guess is what I'm saying. The problem with the, the whole sleeper pick thing is that it just gets out really quickly on the internet, and, and then there's a hype train behind it, and then everybody picks him up. Jesse James, case in point. But I think Sharp has a much better chance of being an actual uh, productive player on a week-by-week basis. Okay, and I'm really excited to see how this offense can operate. Sharp totally has the, you know, it's, it's open for him to be the number one receiver on that team because nobody is stepping up on that team at all. So that, that certainly could happen. You have an outside chance, a very outside chance of that happening. Um, so Terrence West, uh, the most picked up running back right now, he is the presumed starter for this week, I suppose. The previous presumed starter, Justin Forsett, had a crazy weekend. He got cut and then re-signed right after. Uh, interestingly enough, I was in the middle of a draft when that happened. So a guy picked Justin Forsett, and we looked up on the TV screen, and it said that he got cut. So uh, that, that just makes drafts even more fun. I want to draft during cutdown every year now. I'm pretty sure that that Forsett was dropped and then picked back up, and now Forsett is again the starter. So right away you think he's just going to be the starter again? It was just an opportune uh, time for them to be able to do that when no one could pick him up. Do you know the background of why it was worth doing that for the Baltimore Ravens? I understand that he didn't have to clear waivers, so it was safe for them to do that. But what happened there? Do you know like what, what the point of that was? Uh, no, I'm sure it had something to do with, with picking up an additional player or, or salary cap or something, but I'm not sure. Okay, I'll have to look into that. I'm kind of interested to know why that sort of roster move makes any sense whatsoever. I know they had to cut down to 53 on Saturday, but they had to stay at 53. So I don't get it. <laughs> Anyways, uh, Will Fuller, wide receiver in Houston. So a number two wide receiver, he's the number two guy now in Houston. Uh, He's available in over half the leagues in Yahoo. And 
here's the way I look at it. When you have an elite guy like DeAndre Hopkins, he can put up a monster year any year. There's a ton of production available for the number two receiver in any of those years. Case in point, Alan Hearns, Eric Decker, Elshon Jeffrey, Randall Cobb, all these guys have put up monster years opposite, not monster years, put up really good years worthy of being starts pretty much every week when the number one guy on their team has a huge year. When Allen Robinson goes off, when Brandon Marshall goes off, regardless of his team, you know, when Jordy Nelson is playing well, I mean, that Jordy Nelson averages 1,400 yards a year. If he can play well again, Randall Cobb's going to be back up to, you know, being a good starter. But my point is that Will Fuller can be a guy who can join this crowd of number two guys who are able to produce almost as like getting sloppy seconds from their number one guy who just can't quite handle 150 catches a year he can only have 110 so they have to go somewhere so anyway will Will fuller um i don't know i I assume his availability is going to be much less and honestly out of the wide receivers that we just mentioned i like him the most he runs a 4-3-2-40 uh and he catches a small number and he catches all kinds of balls so um, the, he's not like Hopkins. Oh. Hopkins is a huge receiver who isn't really the deep threat. He's just like a Brandon Marshall uh, kind of, uh, you know, Julio Jones, like big, huge target that can catch anything coming to him. Sure. But Will Fuller is the burner who runs down, you know, loses all coverage and then gets an 85-yard touchdown. You are, I think, are you agreeing with me then? Yeah. Okay. Um I was I was happy to have picked him up in a dynasty league, for example. You know what's fun is I've got him pulled up in one of the Yahoo leagues, and the owner of the team of Will Fuller is me. Uh-huh. <laughs> so uh, I'm happy with that one. Oh, it's the draft that we just had the other day too. There you go. Okay, so are there any other waiver pickups that you like for this week, Dave? Um, anybody else who's kind of waiting in the wings uh, on your teams that you think that is going to sort of be awesome? Well, if they were going to. It's hard to do this, right? Because a waiver pickup is not someone who's going to immediately be awesome in, in the vast majority of all circumstances. Right. I like some quarterbacks that aren't being drafted. I like Ryan Tannehill and Joe Flacco to have better years than normal. Um, I I like Theo Riddick um, as a running back because I think Amir Abdullah is going to uh, do well. Um, but I, I think that Theo Riddick is going to be a guy who is sort of uh, splitting time with him. And I think Detroit is going to be able to move the ball more than more than most people think this year, uh, mostly due to Marvin Jones and Golden Tate um, and Eric Ebron. You know the Detroit Lions only kept four receivers on their entire squad? Yes, I, I do remember hearing that. That's pretty crazy. So um, this, I believe, might be sort of... I mean, it's it's depth chart news, so take it with a grain of salt. But Christine Michael is now the most added player today uh, because he is listed ahead of Thomas Rawls on the depth chart for Seattle. For yeah, week one. keep in mind that the people that do the depth charts are the media personnel of the team. Right. So that is going to cause a lot of people to reflexively pick him up. Uh, he's also a guy with a ton of drops, too. So uh, people are adding and dropping him you know, willy-nilly. I've never trusted Rawls. I don't draft Rawls anywhere. I don't think that Rawls will be the starting running back of the Seattle Seahawks at the end of the year. But to whether or not that's Kristen Michael, I, 
I am out of yeah, that. Yeah, who knows? I'm not picking him up either. I'm kind of done with his situation due to some other, um, you know, run-ins with him in the past. <laughs> uh, I like I like Jerick McKinnon uh, because I think that Adrian Peterson um, needs a guy to spell him, like on third downs and for alternate series. Um, he averaged over five yards per carry last season, uh, and so if something did happen to AP, for example, he would immediately be like a top ten uh, running back. Uh, on that offense, on a run-heavy offense. Uh, if you have a deep enough roster, we talked about Chris Thompson earlier. Mm-hmm. Love him, especially in PPR. Um, and I also, uh, you talked about Tajay Sharp. I think he's going to be great. Sure. Um, I got a guy from Oakland, uh, DeAndre Washington. He's the new running back. Um, he is a guy with the number two job right now, but it looks like you know Latavius Murray is going to be a guy who's going to start seeding carries to him. It doesn't seem like Murray is a guy who is going to be able to carry the load for the whole time, even in one game. You know, I don't see him getting 25 carries in any of his games, really. So I think that DeAndre Washington is going to start taking some action. He could be a guy um, worthy of like a flex start or a deeper league start and who could kind of develop and take over the position from Murray. Yeah, I also like Murray, though, and a lot of players have uh, have talked about him stepping up to be a really great running back this year. So it's tough when you look yeah. at what happened last year, when you look at uh, you know what, what's trending um, for his career. He's still too young of a guy where you can really tell the uh, what the path is going to be. And we're talking real deep at this point, like maybe la- end of the draft if you're drafting still, um, or guys who you just want to keep an eye on and maybe not even pick up right away. But if Latavius Murray does get hurt, then you know there you go. You got DeAndre Washington in a great spot. Yeah. The other the other thing for me is probably uh, weird Patriots things. So like Chris Hogan is a wide receiver on New England that could be really good because Amendola doesn't seem to be stepping up at all, um, and they've got basically they've got Edelman and Gronkowski. Right, and all their other guys like they, they, Aaron Dobson isn't on the team anymore. Kenbro Tompkins isn't on the team anymore. They need another guy who can be, um, you know, like an X receiver or something. So whether it be him or Malcolm Mitchell, who's another guy who uh, was competing for that job but got injured a couple weeks ago, uh, whenever that person gets announced and Tom Brady comes back, it's going to be ad central. But as to whether or not he's actually going to be good, I, it's impossible to tell. Sure. I also like Tyler Boyd on Cincinnati because I think that he can overtake Brandon LaFell and get the number two position there. I don't think it'd be too hard to overtake Brandon LaFell either. Well, remember LaFell was really good on the Patriots for a season. LaFell was good for a minute, but I mean, if we look at his stat line, I bet it's not that impressive. Yeah. So if there's a possibility for there to be a guy on the Cincinnati Bengals that steps up, you've got pass catchers and AJ Green and Giovanni Bernard, but really nobody else on the team. Um, Tyler Eifert, I mean, obviously, but he's he's injured for the first month, I think, of the of the season. It, at least, yeah. Um, one of the receivers that I like, uh, where'd my list go? I had him here. Kenny Stills is a guy who I've actually liked for many years, and I, I have hyped him incorrectly several times. Um, but, you know, it looks like Devontae Parker is not going to be able to be a guy here. And we know that Jarvis Landry is a great receiver but he's a great receiver at doing one thing so they need a guy on the outside and they need a guy who can go deep Kenny Stills can do both of those things um so I think that Kenny Stills will be uh you know maybe the most improved player on the Dolphins this year and you know maybe he's a good bye week replacement stuff like that 
And then, of course, your guy, Eli Rogers. Um, you know, I'm interested to see what the Steelers do. I like watching the Steelers every year. Why the hell not? I got Roethlisberger in my Dynasty League. So I have to be a Steelers fan. Well, any team that has a lot of offense is always among the most you know, fun teams to watch because they're always doing something. They're always driving. They're always getting big... Uh, Big uh, gaps of yards at a time, and that's exciting. Large chunks of yardage. Sure. Um, and once it becomes Le'Veon Bell and D'Angelo Williams in the, in the backfield, maybe they'll let Williams have a couple extra carries um, in those series. We'll see. Uh, but, but those guys are pretty unstoppable. Like I said, as long as Roethlisberger is still under center. All right, Dave. Well, um, I'm kind of kind of out of players to talk about surprisingly in week one i mean we can go on and on about the regular guys but i like that tonight we sort of dove into a lot of the guys who are uh, new or who are kind of on the outskirts um do you have any sleepers for week one in matchups i mean it's kind of hard to pick i know but you know who, who do you like quentin Patton on the san francisco 49ers because uh, blaine gabbard has to pick someone <laughs> he's got to throw it to someone. And I like Vance McDonald, but as you say, he's not an outstanding player. So I like Patton. I also like uh, Tajay Sharp uh, in Tennessee. And I think that we might see some some really interesting things um, from Houston and from their wide receivers, Braxton Miller and Will Fuller. So those are the guys I'm watching, among the other ones we already talked about. You know, Eli Rogers and all those guys, but... Rodgers, for example, um, is a little bit of a project himself. So a lot of these guys, the reason that you don't hear about them, the reason they're not on your radar already, is because they are kind of a project player. It's like uh, Doriel Green Beckham. He had these great stats um, and a good you know, spark score, kind of like Kristen Michael did. And these guys can be you know, super athletes and be prototypical for their position, but still not actually perform in the NFL due to problems with either their, their motivation or um, psychological issues or attention span and motivation. Um, so many things. So just because they look like they can be good, it's going to take a couple games to figure out which one of them actually are. All right. Well, um, thanks for listening this week. Uh, this was the week one show. We're going to make sure that uh, we come back here every week. We talk about the previews from week to week. So uh, check back to the site to read the uh, confidence pool to uh, check out any pickup uh, options for, you know, from for for every week, right? I mean, we're going to do a waiver wire article this year. What are some of the other articles that people can expect, uh, you know, this season? Are we going to have the... Uh... Well, we'll have player profiles out there. We're going to be okay. talking about some interesting uh, you know, mathematical uh, phenomena that occur throughout the NFL season. No, 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 no. Of course, we'll have some, uh, some regular articles that have to do with the NFL in general and fantasy football as a larger topic. Um, and uh, you know, we've got seven or eight writers that are going to be helping us out throughout the year. So make sure you pay attention to drink5.com and, and we'll be coming at you with as much information as we can stuff down your little brains in 90 minutes yeah check out the podcast on itunes and give us a review there uh follow us on twitter uh we'd like to hit certain milestones this year it'd be awesome and uh join us next week when we talk about what happened in week one and give you the week two preview so dave uh drink five and the next time we talk to everybody they'll have been football and lots of it all right cheers